Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, dum-dums? It's your good friend Colin here. Today's show is brought to you by Amazon.com. And why is it brought to you by Amazon.com? Because if you go to the Mazodcast website and click on the Amazon banner, we get a sweet, wet taste of them dollar bills. So if you're purchasing drugs or prostitutes or... Well, anything else you can get on Amazon, I assume all those things are available. Do it through the Mazodcast Amazon banner and let us wet our beak. M I Z. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bug's for you, Mizzou. Johnson. And he's gone. Touchdown, Missouri. You don't get no better than that, man. Lock deep near side. Jamon Moore. It's a foot race. 82 yards. Missouri. Boy, look at Crockett run. It's his fourth touchdown run of the day. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is Drew Locke's social media editor, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And South End Zone crane operator, Caleb Bungart. Hey, kids. So, guys, it's only, what, two weeks until college football begins. Yes. Yes. We've been pretty light on shows this summer, but uh, I think part of that is there really hasn't been a lot of news for the first time in maybe two or three seasons. It's been a really quiet off-season for Mizzou, which is ultimately, I think, a good thing because we were not in the middle of a protest. We're not in the middle of a coaching search. We're not in the middle of players leaving the team or driving into uh, light posts and getting injured. Everything's been quiet. Everything's just rolling along. Yeah. It makes it hard to do a show. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the program, you know, you want, you want the, your program to have cachet from winnings, but you don't mm-hmm. want notoriety because of constant negative shit kicking you in the balls. Right. <laughs> which is what it felt like for a very long time. So a nice, quiet mm-hmm. offseason is kind of like a good offensive line, you know? You just don't, they, they never do anything wrong, so you never notice that they're there. I think another thing, too, is that there are very, not low expectations, but just not really any expectations for this Tiger team. They're sort of viewed as a middling team this season. Not the worst. Well, like I said, I wouldn't not the best. call that no expectations. Well. You know what I mean? Like in a, in a conference with Georgia, who is, was in the national championship game last year. Mm-hmm. And a, you know, we, nobody can quit telling us how great South Carolina is. You know, so you got a conference with two pretty good teams. I think that's noteworthy enough that we could compete for the East. Right. And so, I mean, I feel like there's a, I think there's an expectation for us to finish third and for the most optimistic of Tiger fans, second in the SEC East. I think that is an expectation that a lot of Tiger fans have. Well, we, but we've been looking at Tiger teams that were expected to be dead last in the sure. East. And then there were years where we finished first in the East. And so we're not coming off of a, a division championship. We're not coming off of just a gutter trash season. We finished seven and five, very middling. Uh, we had, you know, we finished, well, we didn't finish strong, but we had a long, good stretch at the end. Six we're, game winning streak yep. before shitting the bed against Texas. Texas, right? And so, you know, what Tiger team's going to come out? We have experience on offense. We do have a new offensive coordinator, and that's been a little bit of a talk. Yeah. But up until this point, there hasn't been much to discuss. And so, you know, we did want to come to you tonight and talk about some things because the season's approaching, the teams are in the middle of their fall practices, and the I guess the biggest stuff that has happened is there have been a few injuries. None of them have been earth-shattering injuries, but, for instance, the freshman tight end, Messiah Swenson, he injured himself and is out for the year. Honestly, I don't think that's a big injury for the Tigers in that we have two very big, very yeah, experienced and, uh, tight ends. Already. Yeah, so but are, are, are already there. So how much was that kid really going? He was going to get minutes and sort of cut his teeth a little bit, and won't be able to do that now. Sure, but it's not going to be a make or breaker for the Tigers. Uh, AJ Harris, the offensive lineman, he had to retire due to uh, medical reasons. He won't be with the team, and then probably the most significant out of the gate will be Rashad Floyd, who a couple days ago 
broke his leg, and uh, he's he was one of the wide receivers that was looking to catch a lot of Drew Locke touchdown passes. And he was also a returner. And they're gonna do we to, know that though, honestly? What's that? That he was going to catch a lot of touchdown. I well, mean, he was certainly hoping to catch. A well, I'm hoping to, but I don't know that was Rashawn Floyd going to be on the field. We'll honestly never know, but I. I'm betting he wasn't going to be one of the starters anyway. Well, it's always good to have options in that option. Oh, I'm great. But just keep in mind, he's only out for probably four weeks, which would bring him back about week three. So he still has a lot of chance to play this season. Johnson, and you got Hall, Mm -hmm. and you got your tight ends, and there's other wide receivers, Nate Brown, for instance. Who I would, I am hoping, I fingers crossed that Nate Brown contributes this year. Yeah, you've been uh, making that prediction for three years now. No, that was Nate Howard. And that was the lineman. This is the the, the wide receiver. Yeah, because he was, you know, him and uh, Jamon Moore were considered to be. Yeah, they were going to be the starters. Those mm-hmm. that was your wide receiver tandem for the foreseeable future. And yeah. then Nate Brown uh, got hurt, fell off a cliff, and um, last year at the end of the season he caught a few balls. Mm-hmm. And he's back this year, and you gotta go. If he was supposed to be, you know, the twin of Jamon Moore, in a manner of speaking, surely he's good enough to get some some reps. Yeah, and and where he made his bones last year when he did come on was getting those short passes, yeah, those like side- possession receiver type role. Exactly, and it was very helpful. And uh, if we see a lot more of that, it was bound to help this offense. I think it was worth mentioning that Derek Dooley has talked a little bit about what he was going to do with this offense, and the only thing he's really given away is that he says he's going to slow things down. And really, that gives me a lot of optimism because Heupel's offense got a lot of press and he got a lot of hype and he ultimately got a head coaching job because of all the touchdowns and all the yards that the Tigers put up last year. But a lot of those have been talked about being empty calories. Against the better team, Drew Locke and company didn't perform all that well. And also, I think there were a lot of flaws in that hurry-up system that oh. we ran. It, it's just a, We have talked about it endlessly. It's a gimmick. And well, it's going to go fucking four straight three and outs. You've essentially destroyed your defense. It doesn't just destroy the defense. Because you have 40-second breaks apiece. Well, I think, you know, they, they talk about it, I mean, you know, keeping the other other defenses off guard, you know, yeah. to keep them on their toes. But I, one, I never thought it really worked out. The no. defenses seemed to adjust no, perfectly didn't fine. didn't work at all. The other thing that I think is flawed about the entire philosophy is it assumes that the offense doesn't get tired too. Yeah. You know, it's, if you're running a play every four seconds, mm-hmm. the offense is going to get tired as well. Well, my biggest problem with it, I feel like they probably condition the offense to run that style of offense. Not, not, not that they can't get winded, but mm-hmm. to me the biggest problem is is when you have an, what was a bad defense, and maybe it's just a, a middling defense, if they got a little more rest in the sidelines, is all I'm saying. I'm not, I knew we're not going to be top five defense in the SEC, but you know, not having these goddamn three and outs that take 40 seconds, these guys are just sucking wind, and they have to immediately turn around and come back in. And we they did that in lots of games, mm-hmm. where we had huge stretches it's happening against Texas. I mean, the touchdown at the very end of the Texas game, I, I blamed purely on just complete exhaustion on our oh, defense's yeah. part. I mean, they were on the field constantly. But going back to what you're talking about conditioning-wise, I don't know that they can condition them any better just because they're running a fast-paced offense. You're telling me the other offenses in the NCAA are not well-conditioned? I don't care what kind of offense you have. I think there's only so much a human body can condition itself for. And just because you're expecting to run fast, they're still going to get fucking tired. I don't know. And they made a lot of mistakes. They had a lot of turnovers. And I, I think it is chalked up to maybe not just being and tired, but that. running too fast. Penalties. You know? Yeah, a lot of penalties. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast.
A lot of mistakes, a lot of, uh, you know, drop balls. That was another thing I think about the defense, though, too, is the defense was gassed and winded constantly. It hurts focus. It hurts discipline. What are you going to say? And they got a lot of, I feel like they got a lot of penalties, too. Again, like in the Texas game, the first drive of the game for Texas was, like, facilitated by three separate defensive penalties on that first play. That's hard to argue that when it's the first series of the game, you think, well, the defense can't be winded already. But They're banking on the uh, possibility of the defense expending more energy than the offense does when they're out there that they don't know what the play is. So yeah, they they're going to work harder. It's tipping the scales. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to be winded, but it's going to be you're going to be more winded in, on defense. So we know D- Derek Dooley's going to slow things down. What kind of offense he's going to run? We don't know. It could be terrible and stupid. Yes, uh, it he could was be. the head coach at uh, Tennessee for, after all, and did a terrible job. Well, in his defense, most coaches at Tennessee have done a terrible job. Yeah, it's, it's a, a terrible place. It's a black hole of college football. Uh, and some good news: uh, we heard recently that Dawson Downing. The walk-on running back. I think he's better as a Whitey McWhiterson. Yes, Whitey McWhiterson got a scholarship. He was offered a scholarship, yep. so there's some space on the roster. He was rewarded for being uh, one of the best spring players and then disappearing for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, which is his talent. <laughs> I would like to see him get some reps, but yeah. boy, if he follows Tyler Hunt's uh, lead, he will never see the field. <laughs> That's right. I still think Tyler Hunt called the show one time. <laughs> ah, me too. <laughs> was applauding us for making fun of Josh Henson. Yep. The uh, other news, I think, heading into the sort of logistics of the season is that Mizzou is in the middle of construction of its south end zone. We don't know where to put some of the uh, fans this year, specifically the opposing bench and things like that. And, and Mizzou, for two years now, has been wanting to move their sidelines to the east side to keep their eyes out of the sun. Um, or I'm sorry, from the east side to the west side. The problem with that is that the SEC has rules against having the student section being directly behind the, the opposing team's yeah. bench. Missouri, because of the construction, got a one-year waiver and is allowed to do that. So this season... And Mizzou, this season only. Mizzou students will be directly behind Georgia and Florida. Well, you know, the teams we're playing at home. Yeah. And, uh, Let's not show our ass and <laughs> tell people we don't know what those are. <laughs> but, so uh, will chaos ensue? I don't think so. When I was a student many, many moons ago, the opposing team was right behind the student section. There was the occasional, okay, every year, first game when we threw oranges at the opponents. Yeah, But sure. uh, that was when we were in the Big 12, and the Orange Bowl was the reward for winning the Big mm-hmm. 12. That's not the case, and I also think the students are milder and tamer. And, well, uh, I think society has made it so. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it wasn't just a, like, a pat on the butt and say, all right, kid, get out of here. Yeah. Don't don't let me catch you doing that again. And no, they like, put no, you in handcuffs Yeah, now. exactly. It'd be assault. Yeah, kicked out of school. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that will be interesting. Hopefully nothing bad will happen. It'll be interesting watching these games with this big gaping hole in the middle of the uh, stadium. It, right now, when you drive by Faroe Field, it looks a little bit like a high school football stadium yeah, yeah. with a big gap, or at least a Texas high school football stadium. Sure. But, uh, you know, as the season progresses, some of the uh, So it's not done until next season. 2019, Missouri's supposed to be able to play in its completed stadium with the new south end zone, which I took a tour of in advance. They showed me some of the amenities that will be part of the new complex. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the weight room and the locker rooms, which uh, Mizzou has had a reputation for having some of the worst locker rooms in the uh, SEC. Uh, But also for the fans, there's going to be new luxury boxes. There's also going to be different levels so that there's going to be sort of like if you go to basketball games in the Hearn Center, incorrect <laughs> Hearn Center, Mizzou Arena, you can drink beer so long as you walk out of your seats and go to the bar section. There's going to be a great big, I think like eleven thousand square feet bar section, so people in that south end zone area can go get a drink. Kind of like a mini, what is that? Cardinals? The Cardinals have this had their ballpark you know, village. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a little mini ballpark village. Not really ballpark village because it's within the stadium, but it's it's basically eleven thousand square feet of drinking area, though, but inside the stadium. Yeah, and, and yeah, then yeah. you can go right back to your seats. I think what's happening is the people who have these stadiums are realizing they used to, uh, in the past, there was regular seats, luxury boxes, yep. and that was it. So you could either be a million-dollar donor or you could be a regular Joe. They've realized that there are people of all different income levels and sure. people who want to watch the game at different yeah. kind of experiences. So they're also having a, a little uh, bar on the field level uh-huh. where you, you know people can pay an extra fee, kind of like they do for baseball, yeah. and they can go in and out of that. That's, I think, a limited access. But basically, you can have a beer and just look over onto the field. Granted, it's a shitty view because it is in the south end zone, but there's all these different tiers 
where fans can watch the game mm-hmm. depending on sort of uh, their pocketbook or you know just how comfortable they want to be or how drunk they want to be during the sure. game. Well, I think the beer is as much a big of thing as anything. I mm-hmm. mean, that's the first time that's for football. I mean, not well, I mean, obviously right? the luxury boxes have. Well, added. the luxury boxes, mm-hmm. but this is like bar areas. Yeah, but it's not open to everybody. You oh, have okay. to be within this special section in the oh. south end zone. So if you're poor, you still don't get to drink. At you least have to not be legally. High class. Yeah. Well, you have to sneak your flask <laughs> in. Like, oh, well, I'm no. That's. But I guess maybe where they assume the poor folk are better at that. What sneaking things in? Yeah, sure. They would have drank before. Well, I think like from the beginning of time, they do not care about the poor folk. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care what you do. But, because they po. Well, let's talk about best ways to sneak alcohol in because this is sure. a big part of my life. When <laughs> yeah. I was in college, there was an older alum guy who had a pair of binoculars. One side was not actually an ocular device. No. It was, in fact, a flask. He called them his binoculars. <laughs> and every once in a while, he would take a chug of rum out of one side and then use the other side to uh, to watch some football. I would think that uh, the best thing to do would be to get a big, large Coca-Cola mm-hmm. and dump that whole thing of rum in there. Well, a lot of people do that as well. I mean, the traditional flask, that's obviously what they are good for. Sure. I mean, but it's like, where do you hide your flask? I, I think the sock has always been a go-to for me. I take a whole fifth of Kentucky Tavern and shove it up my ass. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, well, that is impressive. Not everybody has the elasticity that you do, though, Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of years with gerbils. <laughs> yeah. I just remember sneaking in booze pretty easily, honestly. Mm-hmm. At least back in those days. It's like, just put it in your waistband. They don't really give you a tried and no. true pat-down or anything. No. Like, if you, were, if you took the... Bring a girl, they never pat down their tits. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you took the initiative to stuff a uh, bottle of hot damn down the front of your pants, unless you didn't cover it up, you pretty much got in with it. Well, and that is the case now. I mean, although I will say that the restrictions are getting tighter and tighter. They mm-hmm. had the clear bag policy. You have to go through the security checkpoints. Like you say, they're not all that thorough. And, yeah. you know, if they stop people from drinking, they stop people from well, going to football games. I'm talking about back in the old days. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know what it's like now as far as trying to sneak. I, mean, I haven't tried to sneak in a bottle of uh, Mad Dog 2020 into a Mizzou football game for a long time. Thank Christ. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the... Uh, the point being is that I don't know what it is like now, but back then it was like if you just took the effort, made the effort to pull your shirt over the front of the bottle that's in your waistband, they'll just let you walk in with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, unless you wore it outside of your clothes, nobody really will care, it seemed like. That is the traditional way that Pofo got their booze. <laughs> that's right. And it's all the more important now that we are in the SEC and we're not allowed to leave at halftime and get, you know, re-up on our drunkenness, which was the tradition in the Big 12. Yep. But one of the one of the Big 12 traditions that I think the SEC should adopt, like, I mean, I feel like the SEC is an old historic conference with many, many traditions. Mm-hmm. But one they could adopt from Mizzou is letting people go get smashed at halftime. And come back even yeah. more smashed. Yeah, exactly. Sure, I think that's a... That My boss be. buys an extra ticket so his wife can leave at halftime and get back in. How is that? They just buy an extra ticket. So what do you, season tickets. What do you... No, whoa, 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 whoa. Run this back. Now, what's he do? So they buy... They have season tickets. They sure. Have, they have nine of them. Uh-huh. So she has an extra ticket, so at halftime she can go out to her car and then present the new ticket when she comes back in. Oh, sweet. She's a straight-up alcoholic then, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think she drinks. That's what's crazy. Oh, my God. It's a wonderful plan yeah. if you're drinking. Yes. It's insane. <laughs> and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm hoping that she's carrying, she's like mewling in booze before the game for her husband, and then she goes at a halftime to mule in more beer yeah. And that's a, for her that's husband. a possibility, but I thought it was a great idea. If you it is a terrific money, idea. If you, have the, if you have the money, get an extra ticket. Huh. The more you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, the last bit of news I wanted to bring up briefly was uh, Drew Locke got into a little bit of hot water, not as much as I really expected, no. when some uh, huge, giant, tattletale asshole dug through his tweets dating back to, I think, the sixth grade, yeah. And uh, Drew Locke had said a couple homophobic, mildly racist things. Did you say some Twitter. racist stuff? Well, he, it wasn't like racist in that he was trying to disparage people of other races, mm-hmm. but he referenced race in a way that he wouldn't now. Let's just sure, put it that sure. way. Anyway, he issued a statement saying that he was sorry for what he'd said. It was a long time ago. He's, he's a lot different now than he was in seventh grade. And uh, it seemed to come and pass. And this was, was all on the heels of the Washington Nationals uh Trey Turner, who had said far more insensitive things oh, yeah. on Twitter, and he got a real backlash in mm-hmm. social media and in the news for some of the things he'd said. I think that there was a real conversation about you know how much do you judge somebody for something they said ten to twelve years ago? Well, and I think 
what you also find is that Drew Locke, one, is not a professional baseball player. Two, Drew Locke did not say nearly level of awful things that Trey Turner did. And uh, three, it's uh, he plays in the Southeastern Conference. Any racial epithet or homophobic insult you can think up is perfectly acceptable in most SEC fan bases. Yeah, so I mean I don't I just don't know that they're that 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 story's going to turn any heads in this conference. I think it got <laughs> exactly the amount of attention it deserved. Sure, I and agree. It came out, he had to apologize and it's over and on we go. Well, it was barely season. anything, but I'm just saying like he could have went full like David Duke white nationalist <laughs> crazy Nazi and the you know, most of the SEC have been like, huh, that kid's got some interesting ideas. He got moxie. <laughs> like a cut of his gym. Yeah. 44% of them would have enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I believe that might, yeah. might be the case with a lot of those fans. But uh, anyway, th- that's really it. That's what's uh, happened in the last month or so in Mizzou football. Things are going to speed up quite a bit when we take on UT Martin on September 1st. Mm-hmm. We'll get back after the break to talk a little bit more about that. We've got a few other things coming up, Colin. Caleb, for the first time, we're going to have the Mazodcast Debate Club oh, as yes. well. And uh, we're going to have some hot Fiery takes. Mm. You know, I think we're really inspired by Skip Bayless. Yeah. Because he, he's a hero of all of ours. Sure. When he's so smart mm-hmm. and uh, the things he says are really make a lot of sense. Him and Barrett Sally right up there. Yeah. So uh, we're going to have our first ever debate club after the break. Stay tuned. This is the Mazodcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. And we're back. This one is called Clean Living. It's from the band Bald Eagle. So uh, if you want to send in your music, anytime, mazodcast at gmail.com. Send us your live music. you got a band, you got a guitar, you're trying to get laid. Send us the music. We'll put it on the air. Maybe not much, but you'll get on the air. So, guys, it's time we did something new for 2018. It's the first ever Mazodcast Debate Club. What I hear and see what I see and touch the people that I touch from time to time. I don't think I'm that bad. Uh, uh, you're likable no. enough. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee. A lockbox. Senator, I serve with Jack Kennedy. I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. Who am I? Why am I here? I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So, fellas, how this is going to work is I'm going to assign a topic, not just a topic, but I'm going to assign you a position on that topic. I don't care what your real thoughts are. I don't want to know what you really think. I want to hear you argue my point that I assign you. Fair enough. Okay. Are you prepared to do this, fellas? Well, fuck yeah. Okay. we got three topics to choose from. They're all very important for the 2018 season. Strategic. And, how, and I'm going to tell you in advance, this is not timed. I am going to decide when I'm sick of hearing from you, and I will buzz you out, and that will be the end of your time to okay. debate the topic. The first topic is the South Carolina Gamecocks. A lot of people this year are saying they could be in contention for the East Division and possibly jump ahead of Georgia, or at least be number two. South Carolina. Colin, you think South Carolina can contend for the East this year. Caleb. So do I. <laughs> no way, say you. Colin, you get to go first. Tell us why South Carolina 
could be the East champion in 2018. All right. Uh, Jake Bentley's a good quarterback. He's uh, what a junior now, but he's started like every game since he was a, a true freshman. So you got an experienced, uh, talented quarterback coming back uh, with a lot of starts. You get Debo Samuel back, and we've seen in person how badly he can jam it up your tuchus if uh, your idiot kicker kicks directly at him. Their defense is supposed to be good, I hear. So there you go. All right, pretty weak performance to yeah. start the, out of the gates. Caleb, tell us why Colin is wrong. Will must champ. <laughs> I surrender. <laughs> the point goes to Caleb Bungard. Yeah, he's right. Absolutely. Right. The answer is Will must champ, and that is, there's nothing else to be said. All right, next topic, and this is a more serious one. Some people say that pop tarts are really nothing more than a type of ravioli. Others say, "Hey, wait a minute." They're a breakfast pastry. That's not anything close to what a ravioli is. Caleb, you think Pop-Tarts are, in fact, ravioli. Colin, you say, not a chance. Caleb, go first. Why are Pop-Tarts ravioli? <laughs> well, they're ravioli because, you know, they're they're a pastry that's stuffed with something. You could make a ravioli out of a puff pastry, stuff it with meat or cheese or anything like that, or strawberry or cinnamon filling. What are more things you could stuff in them? You could stuff anything you want oh, to. Oh, If you want to. <laughs> this is getting Colin, this is Caleb's time. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I'm going to need an extra 30 seconds at the end of this, please. <laughs> but they look the same. It's a little square box. <laughs> All right. That was Caleb. terrible. I'm going to tear this apart, Brent, because I'm going to tell you exactly why. Pop-Tarts are not ravioli. One is a pastry. One is pasta. Two, you essentially defined it by... Something you can put something in the middle of. That's a pretty broad definition. I mean, a jelly donut is ravioli by your definition. Exactly. No. No. Yeah, exactly. No. Caleb, I would remind you that this is Collins. That's time. right. He took up my time. No, listen. By your Gentlemen, definition, a turducken, a turducken is ravioli. We cannot have this broad. I said it's like a box or square. A turducken is not that. You said it. You basically said before that was anything you would put something in the middle in, and then you listed a bunch of stuff that sounded delicious that well, went in the middle of a. When I want to fuck my wife, I say, "Get out that ravioli, let me pound it." <laughs> oh my good lord! All right, I always the once, romantic. I once again surrender to Caleb. Let me stuff that ravioli. You know, <laughs> she gets her hot. Yeah. Point to Caleb. All right, you're gonna once you're again can see that one again. That one again. Okay, now. final category. Of the day, Drew Locke, 44 touchdown passes last year, led the SEC, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation by the numbers. This year, he's a senior coming back, maybe a tougher schedule, who knows. Will Drew Locke exceed his touchdown total from last year? Colin, you say yes. Caleb, you say no way. Colin, you go first. Drew Locke will. Well, he's got another year of experience. He's a very gifted quarterback. I think his receiving core is every bit as good as it was last year, and maybe a little better. Um, Emmanuel Hall, I feel, is superior to Jamon Moore, despite some people argument against that. They still, he still has Johnson on the other side. Uh, Nate Brown, you've got two awesome tight ends. There's a lot of ways to spread the football around. Sumi's going to throw 25 in just a non-con schedule. I, f- I think he could do it for sure. All right, Caleb, you say no, go. Derek Dooley. <laughs> <laughs> I will not concede that point. Not yet. Do you have anything additional to add? Jamon Moore. He's gone. I know. That's why he's not going to throw as many touchdown passes. <laughs> All right. Gentlemen, I give the point to Caleb. Dang. The reason is, the reason I think that uh, Drew Locke won't exceed 44 this year is that it is a tougher schedule. The non, There's the, no Delaware State. No, and we got to, instead, you know, we're going to play Alabama this year. Yeah. And that's not one where we're going to get very many touchdown passes, I'm afraid. The, we also, you know, we put up 72 points against Missouri State last year. I guess the best argument to be made that he could do it is that we dropped a ton of passes last year. And let's say we don't do that this year. Maybe that gives you that. that you know, Colin, all these points would be great in your time during the debate club. <laughs> but but uh, that, while that's true, I just think, like, we put up 72 against Missouri State last year. We're going to beat our non-cons pretty well, but we're not, may probably not going to put 72 points up. That is just video game numbers, and that really padded what he did. Well, and I think a lot of it, too, is 
you know, we had Ish, and Ish at times was a little banged up. Crockett was gone for a substantial time. I, you know, they may have run more, but circumstances towards the end of the season especially kind of made that difficult. Yeah, I think that's another good and point. And so you're Round passing more. Point Caleb could have made is that with Roundtree and Crockett healthy and raring to go, we probably will run the ball a lot more. I would hope so. And But uh, Derek Dooley, I think, covers most of it. Anyway, that was our first debate club. What do I win? Pride, Caleb. Pride. Something you're not familiar with. <laughs> Get one of those rainbow shirts from the Cardinals game. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Yeah. So, Pride. <laughs> moving on, I think there's somebody that we really haven't talked to a lot in the offseason because we really have them on to pick games in the SEC. But I, I get to where I miss the guy, and I think, Colin, you done a lot of policy. Well, are we are we not right now? We're going to, to kind of see where we think the Tigers will end up with the schedule, and we're going to be picking, so why not bring in our old friend, the Paul Feinbot, for his and uh, you, debut? And you've got him freshly wired for this. Oh, yeah. Season. Oh, yeah. We've been, we've been, I've been through his whole circuit board. He's mm-hmm. ready to go. We'll fire him up. Nick Saban. Nick Saban. Paul, welcome back. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. Okay, guys, let's take a look at the Mizzou schedule for 2018. I mentioned that UT Martin game. That is our first game at home. Obviously, that's our dumpster fire game that we pay them to come and give us a W. Tell us what you expect to see, what you hope to see, and what you hope not to see. Because last year, I think uh, Missouri State told us how bad that defense was going to be. UT Martin, thoughts? I wanted to look just like last year's game with the, from the offensive standpoint. I went 72 points. Uh, but from the defensive perspective, I mean, I think that was the biggest indicator to us that this season was not going to go the way we thought it was. Me and Brennan were in the stands, and holy shit. You know, I mean, at some point you're just like, oh, they got one over on us. And then, oh, yes, sir. they got another one over on us. Like, yes, this sir. is crazy. We just gave up 14 points, you know. To, this is nuts. And they just kept doing it and doing it, and they just never stopped them. And they just kept doing it. And I was like, at some point you're like, oh, they'll, they'll, they won't be able to keep this up. And our defense just laid down. You're right about that. And I thought, God damn, that is not a good, not a good sign for the whole season. So what I want to see is not that. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb? I want to see the defense play football, like real tough, hard-nosed football. Yeah. Stop some people. Secondary, really, mm-hmm. something like that. I think the offense is going to be fine. Yeah. It's going to be if the defense can stop somebody. So I don't know if UT Martin yeah, or... Like a really strong defensive yeah. showing in that first game. You should be able to stop someone named UT Martin. Sure. He sounds, right. He sounds like a guy that started with Mr. T in a show in the 80s. <laughs> I know. That would have been an awesome show, Caleb. Uh, UT Martin and Mr. T mm-hmm. fucking people up in the 80s. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I want to see that show. A-Team was so good. Yeah, yeah it sure was. Yeah. I mean, it could have been like the, a Saturday movie. morning cartoon with Hulk Hogan in it, too. Mm-hmm. Even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, now kids don't need Saturday morning. They have 24 hours a day. It's spoiled they don't even know who fuckers. Hulk Hogan is. I know, national They'll hero. They'll never know about his super tan hot Amer- dog skin. Yeah, he's a fucking real American hero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or He so- always ripped his shirts off. You know, mm-hmm. It's supposed to be really impressive. But nobody ever talked about the slits in the back of a shirt that clearly made it easier to rip the shirt off. It wasn't off. a shirt either. It was a tank top Don't at the time. Don't tell people about it, Brendan. People no. could see the rips in the shirt. No, you that can't. takes away from my how much I'm impressed. You yeah. know, they used to send people around for these uh, high school pep rallies and things where they would... Br- Keep kids off drugs. Yeah, and they'd rip a phone book in half or karate chop a block of ice. Sure. To me, I'm sorry. That's more impressive than Hulk Hogan ripping an already ripped t-shirt. Hulk Hogan beat Andre the Giant. Hey, we're not gonna, we're not gonna debate Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Here today, so <laughs> maybe we should have. Yeah, you, know, you 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 save him for the next debate club. Where right. were we? It's full. We're at game number two, where we host Wyoming on September eighth. Uh, it's an evening game, ESPN two so that's Wyoming. A bloodletting, obviously. So I've got the Tigers two and zero. Do you think it'll be? I don't know. Do you think Wyoming is going to be better than UT Martin? Like I have no frame of reference. I think Wyoming's going to be shit. They lost their quarterback, and they never had anybody that could catch in the first place. Listen to. Caleb knowing things about Wyoming. Yeah. I know. That's why we got him here. All right. So basically, a knowledge. Second, we want to start the season 2 0 and look impressive doing it. I mean, I guess that's what every team wants to do, but uh, that's what we want to do with our crap opponents. Third game, most interesting of the year, I think. We are going to West Lafayette, Indiana to play the Purdue Boilermakers. The one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my life was Mizzou's. Uh, attempt to play Purdue last year at home. Yeah. Purdue, I don't know. They have the home field advantage. I, they fell apart last year. I'm so convinced that they slaughtered us that they were going to do something. They really did, yeah. 
If you ask me, I feel like the Purdue game this year makes or breaks the season. If we win that game, well, I don't know that it makes it, but at least puts us on a trajectory where we can have a little confidence. If we lose again to Purdue, mm-hmm. god damn, we got some tough games ahead. Yeah. And that will be really demoralizing. So what do you say? Do well, we win it? I'm saying yes, because by God, you know, I don't want to be in a world where we don't win it I'm the saying rest of yes. that season. Caleb? He'll beat Purdue. Okay. Okay. On the road, we're pr- expecting a win over Purdue. That hangs over our head, though, because. And then we hit SEC year. play. Not just SEC play. The, uh, National Championship contender. Yeah, Paul can get on Number this one in the division, SEC Georgia. Season. This will be a game, again, we play at home against Georgia. We've had some weirdly close games against Georgia. We've had some blowouts. This will be one of the better Georgia teams we've ever played against. Thoughts? Who do well, they have left at running back in Georgia? DeAndre Swift, a sophomore, is going to be their starter this year, and he looked damn good last year. Well, the only thing you can hope for is like the olden days is half the team will be suspended the first five games of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I would say, well, maybe they're coming to Mizzou. Uh, you know, it's the big the big dog in the division. We'll maybe step up and really play it good at home because it, the opponent, you know, mm-hmm. you rise to the opponent. But I would have said that the last time we played Georgia when they fucking thumped the shit out of us. Yeah, the coming out party for Nick Chubb, that was yeah. the exact same thing. We knew he was a backup, so we thought, well, maybe we had a chance, and we had no answer for him. Yeah. It does scare me for this year. It's going to be the real test of the defensive line. What are your realistic thoughts about how we end up with Georgia? They lose by 20. Yeah. I'd say that's probably pretty close to right. And at that point, we'd be three and one in season with a bad loss. Mm-hmm. What kind what does of optimism? Think? Does Paul think we can beat Georgia, Brennan? Yes, sir. Georgia, Georgia. Well, Paul, uh, a lot of times we like to fight with you, but this one, I don't think it's going to be the case. Yeah. I'm what would be your optimism level after getting crushed by Georgia after starting season three and zero? Well, I mean, at this point, it would be my expectation. So, listen, it will honestly will depend a lot on how we play Georgia. If we get you know, beat thirty-four to zero. That will not do much for me. If we if we lose by twenty, but that's the twenty-point score is it's a reasonable expectation for most teams. Forty-seven to twenty-seven or something like where we put up points or you know, just not just a complete bloodletting. You know, if it's a bloodletting, it does nothing for us. But if it's not a bloodletting, it kind of lets the South Carolinas and the Tennessees know, like Mizzou is no joke. I don't agree. <laughs> of course, motherfucker. <laughs> Well, okay, so after we play Georgia, another big game, we're facing South Carolina on the road. Guys, what do you think Missouri looks like against South Carolina? Depends on if Don Staley suits up for him. Just tough on the on the D-line. You're right about that. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying not to buy into the hype. You know what I mean? Like, I've, if you would have asked me three months ago, is South Carolina going to be any good? I'd be like, nah, not really. I but mean, they're going to be say, okay. Who's saying they're good, though? They're going to be okay. But that's what I'm seeing. Everybody, like on the NFL Network, everybody who's picking the SEC is basically giving, gifting them second. Yes, sir. And some people are saying, oh, they're going to scare Georgia. They could scare up. They could sneak up on Georgia and scare Georgia. South Carolina. Like, South Carolina? Are you serious? South Carolina. I don't know. I, I look at South Carolina and go, why are they so high on South Carolina? Yeah, they got Jake Bentley. Yeah, they got this Debo Samuel. They're decent top to bottom defense yeah. and offense. I get it. But do they look that much better than the Tigers with a yes, sir. Heisman hopeful at quarterback? Yes, sir. Goddamn ball. Our running backs, our tight ends, our receivers. I mean, just from an offensive perspective, I don't see why people aren't at least as optimistic about Missouri as they are about South Carolina. I don't agree. I mean, is Jake Bentley better than Drew Locke? I don't think so. And I don't think their running backs could stack up with ours, honestly. I don't agree. If our defense plays middling, I don't... Again, I just don't understand why South Carolina gets gifted this credit and uh, Missouri, even in our best of years, even with a Heisman hopeful quarterback, is just like an afterthought being picked fourth overall in the East. Okay, I, I give up. You're right. I'm wrong. I agree, Paul. Okay, so after South Carolina. So you think that Missouri wins that game? I do. Okay, Caleb? They're bound to beat them sometime. <laughs> All right, the next game is the worst game on the schedule. We played the national championship runner-up, and now we go to Tuscaloosa to play the national champion, the reigning national champion, the Alabama Crimson Tide. This is basically what I've been dreading since we entered this conference, because you know it's coming at some point. Mm-hmm. And we're catching them at, at the height of their powers. Yeah. In, at it's home. like you, you, you sign up for the SEC and you realize at some point you're going to have to have your head jammed in the stockades by Alabama. Did we play them the first year? And they're going to do all. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. they're going to do all uh-huh. sorts of butt stuff for to us. Yeah, it's it's going to be ugly. I remember when we went to Death Valley butt to play stuff. LSU. I said butt stuff. It's sure. going to be butt stuff. Yeah. Butt stuff two K eighteen. Yeah, uh. that's what they. Yeah, 
It's going to be butt stuff. When we played LSU. That's how you know it's going to be bad. At Death Valley. Yeah. I had weird hopes. They just fired Ogeron. Yeah, Ogeron, yeah. But LSU was LSU. Yeah, and sure. And we aren't. And and now we're going to Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. I have no hopes. I mean, my no, hope no, for no, that game is that we play... Serviceably. Not embarrassingly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the... That's a low bar. It is a low bar, but can you think any reason why the bar should be higher? No, Brendan, you've heard me. I, I've, I've made my feelings clear. This game's butt stuff. Yes, sir. Alabama. Yeah. Alabama. So, Alabama. Nick know, Saban. The one thing I'll say about Nick Saban is Nick I Saban. don't think he gleans any uh, joy from just ramming it into the underdog. Do you know what no. I mean? Like, I could see him pulling back the horses a little bit on Missouri just because he likes old Barry. He is beloved. He, he is a likable person. No, no. He doesn't like anyone. Well, that may be true. That's absolutely true, actually. Yes, sir. Anyway. He had a good quote today, though, when they were talking about injured players. The mm-hmm. press were asking about it. And yeah. he actually told one of the guys that they think that he just shits out new players every day. <laughs> so. He dropped the S-bomb? Yeah. Nice. He's Nick Saban, man. He can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a loss. <laughs> I agree. All right. Well, that's that makes us you know, four and two. You're right about that. You're right. I am right about that, Paul. Okay. Our next home game comes after that. It is another non-conference game. We're playing the Memphis Tigers, Barry Odom's old team when he was defensive coordinator there. They didn't have an awesome year last year, but they're. I don't like playing these teams that are decent and I don't know much about them. I can tell you this much on Memphis. If you bet the over, you will win on any game that they play. Is really? that right? Why do you say that? Because they, the Greek. they hit it every time last year, except for the very last fucking week. Hmm. Well, I don't know anything about them. So I'm going to presume we're going to win? You know, is that, that dangerous? I take that back. They hit the over. They didn't cover because it went into, like, triple overtime. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I don't know much about them. I know, no, I know they're not terrible. I know they're not good. They're just somewhere in the middle, and uh, it's scary. Middle Tennessee has made me leery of all non-con late <laughs> in the season expectations. Like I just, yeah. after what happened with Middle Tennessee, oh god, yeah. Well, that, that's that one hurt. No, it's burned into my psyche. So, uh, are you predicting a win or a loss? I win. Okay, Paul. I'm not predicting them to win. Well, that's a predictable. Caleb, what do you think about the Memphis game? I believe they'll beat Memphis. Okay. So that uh, brings us back into the SEC schedule. Stay at home to play Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, I feel like, has been in this holding pattern for the last three or four years with Mark Stoops where they're like, this, this is a year Kentucky starts to look good and come back and do mm-hmm. do some things and shake things up. Mm, we haven't really seen it. They've been middling. Kentucky, what do you think? They beat us last year. You know, just I remember last year they were the they were the South Carolina of this year. Like, ooh, Kentucky could sneak up on some people. Kentucky, Kentucky. I heard a lot about Kentucky going into the last season. I think we joked that it was their Cinderella season often uh, when we go through the SEC scores. And I don't hear that this year. And I don't know how much has changed there ultimately. They are a really good football team. I don't think that they are. I don't know. Kentucky. I just feel like people are certainly aren't as high on them this offseason as they uh, were last offseason. I said, and nothing proves that more than they're picked. Mizzou is picked ahead of them. Last year, that wouldn't have been the case. You're right about that. Yeah. Caleb, do you think they're going to win? Kentucky? Mizzou? I'll take Mizzou. Okay. <laughs> we're hot on the Tigers. Uh, we have. I think we're probably... More optimistic than most of the We're media. We're six and two, yeah, at right this now. point. So uh, we go to Gainesville to play Florida. We clobbered Florida at home this year, last sure year did. when they were in a coaching turmoil and they looked terrible. One year turnaround, do they do it? People seem to think they can. Missouri versus Florida. Listen, here's the reason I'm going to pick uh, Florida: is that at this point in the season, we would be six and two if this everything was going as we want it to okay. go. As a Muzu fan, I know that, that that happiness can never continue for very long and that I'm going to have my heart pulled out of my chest and thrown into a blender. You're right. Because that's just what they do. So I'm assuming at this point I'd be really amped up, 6-2, and two, heading to Florida. Let's win that East, and uh, they're going to beat us in Gainesville. They're fantastic. <laughs> I don't know about that, but Dan Mullen is now the coach, and I feel like he's probably going to know how to utilize a lot of that talent. They are a really good football team. Uh, they know how to fuck a shark. What do you Florida. think? Florida. Are you going to go Florida or are you going to no, go Florida? No, I'm going to go Mizzou. Florida. Florida. <laughs> <I'm gonna> go. <laughs> Split here. <laughs> Caleb Blackson to beat Florida again. I think uh, I'm always skeptical that a team that was as bad as Florida was late in the season mm-hmm. 
can be that much better in one year. I mean, it is. I a don't new know coach. that they're going to be that much better. I just feel like somehow, for some reason, we're going to lose that game just to just to really kick me in the balls personally. Mm-hmm. Well, our next game is a home game against Vanderbilt, who was predicted last in the East, and I think that's a wise prediction. I think that's a win. What do you think, Polly boy? Vanderbilt. Jesus Christ, Caleb. I think we'll fuck them up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think uh, they won't drop anchor. I'll tell you that. <laughs> there have been a few years where we should beat Vanderbilt every year. That should yeah. just be a base line, mm-hmm. and we let them sneak up and beat us. I think this will be a year that Missouri plays Vanderbilt like Vanderbilt should be played and wins that game. The next game I'm really looking forward to, as I do every year, we're going back to Knoxville to take on Tennessee, who, much like Florida, we whipped hard last year. And they're in the same boat. New coach, new situation. Tennessee's, Tennessee's being picked at the bottom of the East. Yes, sir. And uh, you know how bad they have to be to be picked that low? I mean, SEC's media's re- reactionary, just knee-jerk feeling about Tennessee every year is they're going to win the East. Tennessee is still the pick to win the SEC East. You know, and when they are going to be in last place, they're picked second or third in the East. So when they're being picked at the back of the East, I don't even know what that means. I wonder if they're gonna, that means they're going to shut down the college. They're not a good football team. No, they that's what I mean. They don't have a good football coach. But, like, when, they're, when, they're, when, they're, when they should finish last... As they did, they're predicted like third. They're top five. You know, so if they're being top predicted five like five or six, <laughs> they're being predicted like five or six. I just assume that means that somebody's going to blow up the university before the end of the season. Possibility. I don't agree. Yeah. So do uh, you think Mizzou can beat Tennessee then? They better. I'll okay. get them down. We're having a season, friends. We're having a crazy good season. <laughs> Paul, what do you think? Tennessee. Yeah, Brian Goers would scoff at this. Oh, absolutely would. <laughs> Caleb? Well, I'm going to pick Mizzou. I buried Brian Goer six feet under. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The final game of the season is a third or Friday game after Thanksgiving. Against uh, with, Arkansas. Against Arkansas at home. Uh, we beat Arkansas in a close game last year. They also got a new coach. Thoughts on this one? I, I don't see why we would beat Arkansas. We beat Arkansas even when we're bad. <laughs> it's true. We do beat Arkansas yeah. when we're bad. Yeah, I don't feel like there's much of a rivalry here at this point, and I don't see how they're going to get – I. it's not that I don't think – Arkansas get turned around. I just don't see how it's going to happen in one off season. I waited for this game to get my heart ripped out. Arkansas oh, you think? Yeah, oh, they'll, Caleb. They'll wait till the very end to do it. Blasphemy. Okay. So Caleb says nay. Colin says yeah. yeah. What does Paul say? Arkansas. Arkansas. Why did I ask? I'll pass on watching the Missouri game. Where does that leave us, Colin? You and Caleb. We're both at nine and three. And that seems wildly optimistic. It does seem wildly optimistic. You know, when you talk about those games one on one, you can see you can make uh, you can see reasons why you can win all those football games, and but then you just look at that record at nine and three, and you go, "Gosh, that'd be really good." <laughs> I do worry about our way we match up against South Carolina. I know we've talked about them being overrated, but they're not going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, it just depends. Missouri starts these seasons under Barry Odom really badly. Yeah. And it takes them a little while to ride a ship. It always feels like they haven't had fall practice to me. Whenever well, he's out there dog hunting all summer. He doesn't have time <laughs> <Yeah>. practice. <laughs> well, so, I think... Uh, you know, you, you, he gets the two non-cons. I, I think, think Arkansas is another trap game for us. Yeah, I do too. But uh, the one thing I'll say about, like you were saying, okay, so Barry takes a little while to get the uh, the team warmed up as per usual. Maybe the fact that we played Georgia first. I mean, we wouldn't, you know, like, they could cut through us like a buzzsaw even if we were firing all cylinders. So maybe just, maybe that's enough games. Well, I think where our predictions are different than the most of the media's prediction is, we look at what we did to Florida and Tennessee last year, and we think there's significance to that. Mm-hmm. I don't think they do. I think they just say, oh, but Florida is Florida, and Mizzou's Mizzou. Florida should win. Tennessee's Tennessee. Give Tennessee the win. Yeah, sure. I, I worry about Arkansas. I worry about South Carolina. And why I they worry have that perception, I don't know, because we have winning records against both of those teams. I'll tell you this. I worry about beating Kentucky more than I worry about beating Florida. Oh, I agree. I, I would, yeah. I can see. I mean, you know, Florida's going to have a lot of talent, and honestly, Dan Mullen, I think he is a good coach. I'm worried that he will turn them around quickly. Fucking Jim McElwain turn them around quick too, because they got a fucking shitload of talent. You just got to have a coach with a brain in his head who doesn't make crazy accusations and have sex with sea life. And they've got that in Dan Mullen's supposedly, mm-hmm. supposedly. Right. I'm not going to say definitively. Yeah. Anyway, there have been a lot of manatees dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Who I can see it with Florida, maybe more so than you do. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not any more afraid of Florida necessarily than I am Kentucky. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, I'm, that kind of makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, since we are it's optimi- an empty joy, though. <laughs> we are optimistic, and most of the media isn't, we were going to bring in a special guest. He is the president of the SEC Football Media Association. He's a guy who represents 
all of SEC football media. He's a beat writer. His name is Sally Barrett, and we look forward to having him on and getting a national perspective on this sure. Missouri team. So let's go to the phones now. Sally, are you on the line? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, so, Sally, we were just talking about the Tigers and how we are pretty optimistic. We all kind of looked at this team and thought, we see how Missouri can get nine wins on this season. Fellas, fellas, that is, that is ludicrous. That is ludicrous. I mean, all right. I mean, uh, this this team, uh, the, your Tigers, I hate to say this to you. I hate to be this way, but they cannot compete in this tough SEC East. And that's not even getting me started on the West. Well, I don't know why the East has looked to be that tough, frankly. I mean, uh, Florida and Tennessee were Gosh, way down last year. you got South Carolina out there with Jake Bentley. Let me tell you what, this guy can throw the football. And then you got Georgia. My goodness, can anyone beat Georgia? I mean, goodness gracious, Mizzou cannot stack up with that sort of team. Well, but that's two teams now, and then, you know we've got four more on the docket, and well, you know we see a lot of reasons why Missouri can do the same thing to Florida and Tennessee that they did last year, which is just beat the hell out of them. I don't see it, guys. I don't see it. They're not SEC. You know what I mean? Like there's just too much Big Twelve in those guys, and uh, gosh, they just they just don't have it. I mean, at least not like Texas a and They feel very very SEC. Well, the Tigers not so much. My gosh. Well, uh, Boy, I don't know. That Drew Locke, he seems like a he seems like a Big Twelve style quarterback. I just don't know if he's got what it takes. Well, so, Sally, I got to tell you, you know, Missouri is entering their seventh season in the SEC now. We're closing in on a decade of being in this conference, and folks like yourself and your association are always talking about how they're not an SEC team; they're more of a Big Twelve team. At what point are they going to stop with that shit and realize that the students who are on that team and go to this school have never been in school when we've been a part of the Big Twelve conference? That is in the past, and uh, and Texas A and M's been gone the exact same amount of time. I don't know why they're. So so much more SEC than we are. Guys, 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 well, hold on a minute. Don't don't get all in your feelings about it, all right? Okay? Because, I mean, it's, it's not their fault they're not SEC. They're just, they've played a different style, a different caliber of football for so many years. You know, to put them in the SEC is just unfair. Well, the teams in this league are tremendous. You know, they the won their division twice. And a Big 12 team just isn't going to be able to have success and I think that uh, that's just the way it is. You know, you know, we, it's nothing we, personal, guys. Don't don't come at me. You know what I mean? All right, it's, okay. It's like you're forgetting that Missouri did win their division two years in this conference. Well, you know, the SEC was extremely, extremely down in those periods. They were extremely down. Well, and what, that was the only explanation for Missouri being able to compete. We feel as if. Anytime Missouri does well, folks like yourself will call Missouri, say Missouri's down. And well, that's the, how you know the conference is down is because Missouri's winning. I mean, that is <laughs> right. a number one indicator, man. <laughs> that's how it works. Okay, okay. So you, uh, you've talked about your hype for Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, Florida, Georgia's fantastic, guys. Yeah, fantastic. As you said, Florida and Tennessee, they've got new coaches. They did fantastic re- teams. Fantastic teams, fantastic coaches. They're terrific. Yeah, and uh, but Will Muschamp might be the best coach in the SEC East right now. Oh God! You, you know he got fired at his last job for being a terrible coach, right? Yeah, but I mean South Carolina has continued to win games. They've improved three games with each season since he's been there. At this rate, they'll win twenty-seven games by his ninth season. Okay, yeah, that's the math checks out. It's hard to argue with that. And then uh, let's talk about the other two folks that you guys in the media don't love as much, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. How do you think they'll stack up against our Tigers? Well, you know, those guys, they have a rough time, but I tell you what, I am optimistic about Kentucky. They look good. Uh, that's uh, Coach Stoops seems to have them going the right direction. But, uh, you know, Vanderbilt, uh, they're sticking with Mason. He, he's going to build some consistency there. I think you know, they should be at least as good enough to beat Missouri, probably. Though they're not going to see a lot of wins in their schedule, they should have. They should have a, a what it takes to uh, compete with a Big Twelve football team. All right, uh, Sally. Yeah, I, I. I guess my last question for you would be: What do you predict the Tigers to finish this season? Where in the division, and, and what record? Well, gosh, I'm going to say last place. Three and eight, probably. I'm saying that's probably where you're going to see your Tigers. Uh, you know, finishing bottom feeders as usual mm-hmm. uh, in the in the great greatest conference in the world, the SEC. 
Well, Sally Barrett, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. Really, I, you're everything I expected you to be. I can say that. Well, you know, it's nice that uh, you guys can bring in somebody with a national perspective who is completely unbiased and just calls them like he sees them, completely objective, no bias here, just the straight dope, fellas. Okay? All right? All right, Sally. Thanks, and we hope to have you on again soon. Wow, Sally Barrett really epitomizes everything I think about when I hear. I don't need to have him on. He just regurgitates everything I hear from everybody on the. SEC oh, I think network. it's good. I, I think it is good to get a perspective of somebody yeah. besides Mizzou faithful, yeah. especially at the beginning of the season to see sure. who's right and wrong. Sure. Uh, well, guys, why don't we take our final break for the day? Come back with, of course, Kansas news and wrap up the show. This is the Mazodcast. What's up, dum-dums? It's your good friend Colin here, and I'm here to talk to you today about something deadly serious. I know usually I'm a prankster and a jokester, but the topic I'm about to talk to you about is more serious than just about anything I can imagine, and that is the majesty and delicious taste of Schlafly beer. Schlafly is created by the St. Louis Brewery, Missouri's largest locally owned independent brewery. Every year, they pump out over 50 unique styles of beer for you and I to enjoy. And we're so proud to have Schlafly Beer as a Mazodcast sponsor. So if you want to be a true Mazodcast fan, a true Missourian, and a true American, buy you some Schlafly Beer and get blackout, piss drunk, responsibly. Schlafly Beer. This song is called Party Next Door by Styx. Uh, they brought their music to us at mazodcast at gmail.com. Send yours in as well, and we'll play it for you. Guys, it's been a while since we've uh, checked in on our friends into the West in Kansas, but I think it's time once again for Kansas news. Well, I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, and sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Kansas man shot while driving stolen ambulance. <laughs> sure this he was. Right down the middle. Yep. Fastball for Kansas News. <laughs> yeah. A Kansas man was shot and injured by police after stealing an ambulance in Chinook, Kansas on Saturday. The Kansas Bureau of Investigation, a busy group, says that Trevor L. Jones drove the ambulance for 15 minutes until police were finally able to stop him with apparently a bullet. Uh, Jones was transported to a Wichita hospital with non-life-threatening gunshot wounds. Chinook police responded to a call from Jones who said he wanted to go to a cemetery. Authorities later found out someone had given him a ride to Walmart, where Jones later became upset. Okay, this is where the story kind of takes a weird yeah. turn. What is the connection between the cemetery and Walmart? Do the police chase you for wanting to go to a cemetery? I assume he, I guess he called the police and said he wanted to go to a cemetery. Yeah, this whole thing's a little bit confusing mm-hmm. at this point. Well, officers began talking to him when they say he started acting erratically and irrationally. Police called EMS and Jones agreed to be treated, but when the ambulance got there, he jumped in the cab, locked the doors, and just drove away. <laughs> Reasonable. An officer shot multiple times to, at an ambulance trying to stop him, but Jones was able to leave the parking lot. They were eventually able to stop him and get him into custody. No law enforcement officers were injured during the incident, and KBI continues to investigate. What is there to investigate in this one? It's the coolest thing anybody named Trevor has ever fucking done. (laughs) (laughs) Trevor L. Jones, I want to ask you a question about this man who stole an ambulance and was shot by police. Mm Mm-hmm. What age of a Kansas man do you think pulls off such a stunt? He's under 37. That's pretty general. I'm going to say he's 26. Not necessarily the youngest of young men's games, but not a seasoned professional. Yeah. I feel like this is not well thought out. No one over 37 is named Trevor. Caleb, give me an exact age. I don't want you just just narrowing it down between 37 and... 36 and a half. Infinity. And you say 26, Colin? 26. Okay, 26 and 36 and a half. The answer is Trevor L. Jones was 38 years old, Caleb. Jesus, the date club now this. Well, I mean, he said 36 and a half, which is closest, but I will say that he also said he cannot be older than 37, and he was, in fact, 38 years old. (laughs) I do think 38 is an age where you 
probably should know better than to jump into any sort of government vehicle, much less an ambulance. His parents were ahead of the time naming their kid dumbass name like Trevor. <laughs> it all comes Caleb down really to doesn't like that name, Brynn. It's true. <laughs> Man arrested for cruelty after 40 animals seized from Kansas home. Authorities in central Kansas have arrested a man for cruelty to 40 animals living in squally conditions and were seized from his property. Barton County Sheriff Brian Belliner. How many of his family members did he have to feed, though, Brennan? That's true. That's a good question. question. Yeah. He said that his office assisted the Golden Belt Humane Society and the County Health Department in the execution of a search warrant on Thursday. I think they ought to not say execution when it yeah. comes to this kind of story. Officials entered Cletus Wilford's home. His Cletus. name was, in fact, Cletus. Uh, See, I just thought that was something that happened in the movies. <laughs> they removed 20 he cats. older than 60. <laughs> he removed 20 cats, four dogs, two chickens, another two tin cats and two dogs, and a horse and a donkey were found outside of the home. A partridge wow. and a pear <laughs> A decaying horse carcass was also found in a barn. <laughs> well, where else would you put your decaying horse carcass, Brennan? <laughs> the sheriff said it had been there for several months. All the animals were taken to a humane society for evaluation. Many show signs of neglect and poor health. The home was also deemed unlivable. Wilford was arrested for cruelty to animals, maintaining a public nuisance, and obstructing officers. He's held on $2,500 bond. Hmm. So again, this is a Kansas, Kansas story. So this is one guy. One guy with a lot of animals. Well, see, that's what I thought. My initial thought was, oh, this guy's just got to feed his family. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got lots of kids. So yeah, he's going to, he's going to have a horse to butcher you okay. know, once in a while. Sure, he's got 30 cats and six dogs. Uh huh. A horse and chickens. But at some point, he also, this guy, in, when living in these conditions, thinks, you know, I need a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going to make this house a home. Sure, get me a donkey. I can't. Uh, I can't disagree with that. Yeah. All right. So, Caleb, you don't have to have as big a bucket with a donkey. <laughs> what? You don't have to stand on as tall a donkey. Oh. <laughs> I did not know where he was going. I didn't either, and it's not where I wanted it to go. No. With a horse, you got to get a step stool. With a donkey, you just usually a little pail. Okay. Huh. I heard <laughs> right, yeah. from a guy. Now, Colin, Caleb said this guy is definitely older than 60 years old, but how old do you think a Kansas gentleman who possesses... 51. 51. 63. Someone is directly on the nose, and that person is... Caleb Bungard, God. 63 years old, and his name wasn't even Trevor. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> he's on a roll. He's, he's feeling it. Final story for the day. Obviously, you guys know that there's been a tremendous amount of wildfires in western United States, particularly in California. Yeah, I heard all about it. For Did some you, reason, environmental regulations made the fires really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that there's a Kansas tie to these wildfires? How so? Well, a man accused of igniting the California wildfire is a sovereign citizen with possible Kansas connections. <laughs> the man accused of setting the Southern California wildfire last week has scorched thousands of acres of national forest and is a man that appears to have a Kansas connection. Forrest Gordon Clark has described himself on social media as interim congressman for the Republic of Kansas and has been involved in organizations that believe the United States government is not legitimate. Clark was arrested on August 7th and is charged with three counts of arson, making criminal threats, and resisting arrest. He's being held on a million-dollar bond and faces a life sentence. The blaze called the Holy Fire started on August 6th and has burned more than 22,000 acres. Uh, the area's volunteer fire chief, Joel McNabb, said that the week before the fire started, Clark sent him a text message threatening to start a fire and that he had run screaming through the area. He's also been involved in a long-standing feud with neighbors and other cabin owners in the area. The fire chief said Clark was active in the Restore America plan, which later became the Republic for the United States of America, or RUSA, an alternate government organization that believes the U.S. government ceased to exist in 1871 and an imposter government has been in power ever since. Hmm. Clark was such an enthusiastic supporter of RUSA that in 2010 he traveled to the first real gathering in Colorado. His Facebook page contains photos of him grinning with a shirt with a large sunflower on it and a name tag that says Forrest Clark, Kansas representative. It's unclear why he represents Kansas in the alt-government organization's search to show he lives in Ohio. McNabb said that Clark's exact beliefs are hard to label. Based on his social media pages, he's a sovereign citizen who believes in just about every kooky conspiracy theory out there, including KAnon, Pizzagate, Jade Helm 15, Flat Earth Stories, Nassara, Jesuit Conservancies, Shapeshifting Lizard Overlords, you name it. 
he believes it. <laughs> and he's a proud, self-titled Kansan. <laughs> yeah, well, fits the profile, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Yeah, and I think we can blame all great disasters on Kansans. Caleb, how old do you think this gentleman is? Yeah, what's, what do you what got, Karnak? His, what was his name again? His name was Forrest Gordon Clark. Hmm, Forrest could be old school. Forrest, he. Isn't that an ironic name? 60. Oh, mm-hmm. sweet irony! His parents lived through the 60s, named him Forrest. I'm 53. 53? God. What were you See, gonna I was going to say 54. Uh-huh. That's really close to what he picked. Yeah, it is. Didn't leave much wiggle room. All right, let's let's say sixty-one. Okay, so you no, both think an older gent. Well, I just feel like, well, I don't know why I feel that way, he's but a, I do. He's a child of the sixties. Well, Forrest is an old name. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Forrest Gump. Yeah, we had a great grandpa whose first Nathaniel name was Forrest. Bedford Forrest. Nathaniel Bedford Forrest. Forrest is an old school name, so I'm going to say he's got to be yeah. <laughs> old I'll, I'll say Forrest. Sixties, you know, sixty. Let's call. It, let's say sixty-one. And you said what, Caleb? Fifty-three. Sixty-one and fifty-three. Forrest Gordon Clark's actual age? Fifty-one. <laughs> Caleb. Caleb, much closer than Colin. Boom. He did it again. Believable. He's got a sister named like Rainwater. (laughs) (laughs) That's been Kansas News. Autumn. All right, guys, I think that'll do it. Uh, We're not going to come to you next week, but then it's going to be Fast and Furious for the Mazodcast because we'll be coming up on our first game of the season. We'll have our midweek shows with actual people uh, like Sally Barrett. Sure. Uh, to talk about the Tigers and what their chances are. So, uh, can, I, can I mention something? Please do. So I went to the PGA Championship last week, and I was watching Tiger Woods tee off on the 15th. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden to my right, a glorious figure appeared, glowing. Really? I didn't know what Strange. to do. Didn't know what to do with myself for a second. Who could you be talking about, Caleb? I got hard. Big boner. Like rock hard? Rock hard. Rock hard. Like diamond and ice storm? Didn't even know why, because I could only see the back of the gentleman. Sure. But, but I knew from the back, it was Kirk Farmer and his beautiful fucking hair. Well, how could you miss him? You how could, could you miss that hair? And then everybody turned away from Tiger Woods and just stared at Kirk Farmer's hair. <laughs> well, it's it's baffling to me that, honestly, they can let him attend events like this. Yeah. yeah I mean, you feel like it'd be distracting. Absolutely. I mean, I don't want Kirk Farmer anywhere, anywhere near me when well, I'm trying to do wear, something. They made him wear a hat. Right, to concentrate. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they oh, have yeah. to. Oh, I mean, Kayla, I was not saying... Okay, put yourself in this situation. You're a cameraman for Sports Illustrated. You've got this giant lens. You're supposed to be taking pictures of Tiger Woods. You see Kirk Farmer's hair. Can you physically not turn your camera? Well, what was crazy is there was like four people around before this, and all of a sudden I turn around and Kirk Farmer's there, and there's like 10,000 people following him. It was amazing. Well, I mean, his hair's... Wherever Kirk Farmer went, all the people went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it was it was a fantastic moment. His hair's magic. Did you get any pictures, Caleb? I did get some pictures. Thank awesome. God. Thank awesome. God. Saw Conzo Martin there, too. All right. It's yeah. a zoo affair. Mm-hmm. Did you touch the hair? I uh, did not. T- I couldn't. There's like a, a radioactive beam around. I don't, think you're, I don't think any of us are worthy to touch yeah, the hair, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. Guys, one thing I wanted to mention, it looks like we might be having a new sponsor soon. Ooh. As part of the Armchair All-Americans Network, which we joined this summer, uh, it looks like we will be having another sponsor to tell you things about that uh, you'll have to endure and click the fast-forward button when we talk about them, but we're excited, so look forward to that. Also, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and bring in a shitload of new listeners for 2018. Yeah, and uh, the Zodcasters should also go to either Twitter or YouTube to the Mazodcast site because we got our uh, Season 5 commercial out. That's right. We do a commercial every year to uh, celebrate the upcoming season. And this year was no different. This year was no different. Get us on Twitter. Get us on iTunes. Buy our shit. Buy Schlafly beer. Yeah, go to GameSense Honky Tonk. And uh, watch Mizzou football. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Go Tiger! Get out that ravioli and let me pound it. <laughs> oh, my good lord. 